I've been sent here today by the Lord to put something in your spirit. Something that He put in my spirit. He dropped it in my spirit. And I've got I've to share it with you. How many know a smile hides and covers a lot? But if somebody has discernment, you can smile big and they still know. They may not know exactly what, but they know. And when somebody asks you the question, what's wrong? What do we always say? Nothing. Liar. <laughs> but I understand you don't want to share your business with just everybody. You shouldn't. I said you shouldn't. You should not share your business with just everybody. The Bible says that we should bear one another's burdens, but you need to be very careful who you share your stuff with. You need to be cautious. Because some folks, they're not there to help you. Matter of fact, they celebrate when things are going bad in your life. They can't wait to tell somebody. I think that's what she was talking about when she said you should break rank from some folks. <clears throat> but... I'm not sure who I'm talking to today, but I think I'm talking to somebody that has experienced some extreme pain. I don't know if you've gone through some extreme pain in your life, maybe even your most recent life, recent weeks or days or months, but maybe it's something that was many years ago. And you've just covered it up and gone forward. I've been sent here today to encourage you. I've been sent here today with the word for you that you don't have to just survive. But the anointing of God wants you in your life to thrive, to overcome, to succeed, to be all that God has called you to be. He wants you to walk in your devil-conquering destiny. So I've been sent here to somebody that has dealt with some extreme pain. And then I, I think I've been sent here to talk to somebody today that has dealt with abuse. If you've been abused, if you've been abused phys physically, if you've been abused sexually, if you have been abused verbally, if you have been emotionally, which is all of that, or maybe you've been abused financially, Maybe somebody always comes to you and your family with their hand out because they know you will help them and you have been abused and misused because of your generosity and your kindness. But I'm talking to some folks today that have been abused. You have suffered abuse, whether it was recently or in the last six months or 12 months or in the last 20 years or when you were a kid. I'm talking to somebody that is in pain, that has dealt with pain. I'm talking to somebody that has been abused. And then I've been sent to talk to somebody that has had some physical diagnosis, 
some physical problems. You are dealing with physical infirmity. You know that's a spirit, right? Infirmity is a spirit that attacks the people of God. There are all kinds of spirits. Demon spirits will take on whatever form necessary for their assignment. It could be a lying spirit. It could be a murdering spirit. It could be a spirit of perversion. Those are running dominant, rampant in our society right now. Spirit of perversion. I can't say too much or they'll kick us off some of the platforms. I have to be careful. <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. I just, we just need to get a greater message to a greater audience for the moment. So we're going to use wisdom, okay? But spirits will take on many forms depending on their assignment. There are spirits of alcohol and drugs. Spirits of addiction. Sometimes those come from generational curses. I'm just trying to see who I'm talking to today. I've been sent to folks that are dealing with generational curses. Folks that have been, they've had diagnosis of sickness and disease. Could I just pause and drop one scripture in your spirit? 1 Peter 2.24. You want the bottom line? By his stripes, you were healed. Oh, you didn't get that. About four of you got that. By his stripes, you were healed. Were healed. So you can hold on to your diagnosis. You can keep putting it in the atmosphere and declaring a thing that it might be established for you. Job 22, 28, in case you didn't know that verse. Or you can stand on the word that by his stripes you were healed and kick the diagnosis out the door. Kick the perversion out the door. Kick the pain out the door. Kick the past out the door. Kick the problem out the door. Because he wants you to overcome. I read in my Bible where it said we are overcomers through the blood of the Lamb of Jesus and the word of our testimony. So are you testifying of the pain, of the past, of the abuse, of the diagnosis, of the generational curse, what are you testifying about? Or are you testifying that you are an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of your testimony? Are you testifying that God is good? Are you testifying that God is a miracle worker, that God helps you to overcome your past, your pain, your trouble, the perversion, the, the abuse, the generational curse, the diagnosis? What are you testifying about? What is your plan? To just survive or to thrive? What is your plan? Are you just living life or are you loving life? Are you just barely getting by day by day by day? 
Or are you walking in the prosperity and the blessings and the abundance and the increase of God? Don't shout me down. Are you growing spiritually, vigorously, emotionally? Are you maturing? Or are you like a stagnant pond? If you're like a stagnant pond, you need a flow. You need something to flow into you so the junk will flow out of you. You you need to connect with Him and worship and let Him. James said every good gift comes down from the Father. of He gives us downloads every day. You need to get a download of the Holy Ghost, a download as you worship Him, a download, a, a fresh touch, a fresh touch of His anointing, a fresh touch of His Spirit, a fresh touch of joy, a fresh touch of your breakthrough. And the Bible says out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Or you can just stay stagnant if you want to. If, that, if you're happy in your stagnation. Look at your neighbor and say, he must be talking to you right there. Psalm 92, 12, he said, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow like the, the cedars. Of Lebanon, strong cedars of God, the cedars of Lebanon. Or you can just stay stagnant. Look at your neighbor again and say, He must be talking to you right there. Look at him and say, Oh, ye stagnant one. <laughs> you can stay stagnant if you want to. Or you can plan. To come out. You can plan to go forward. You can plan to overcome. You can plan to jump. You can plan to walk in your healing. You can plan to walk in your destiny. You can plan to walk in your purpose. You can plan to walk in faith and be a man or woman of faith. You can plan to overcome. You can plan to push forward. You can plan to go ahead. You can plan to walk in your destiny and your purpose and fulfill the purpose of God in your life. Or, oh ye stagnant one, you can just sit there until you die. Hmm. So, Here's the plan. Here's the outline. Here are the steps. Some people like A, B, C, one, two, three. What do I do? What are the steps? What, what, what do I do first? Well, here's what you do first. Change your stinking thinking. Get out of the stinking thinking. Stop conforming to this world stop conforming to everything around you and start transforming there's a scripture for that Romans 12 1 and 2 he said and do not be conformed to this world stop stop conforming to the world 
Stop conforming to society. Stop conforming to the norm. Stop conforming to the average. Stop conforming to the culture. Stop conforming to everything around you. Stop. You have the ability to stop. You have the ability to change. You have the ability to be different. You have the ability to come out from among them. And here's what he said. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. Let me translate. Change your thinking. Start thinking different. You're going to think Think different. You're going to think, think bigger. You're going to think, think different than the way you were taught. Think different than the way everybody else is thinking. You're going to think, just take, take some moments, and as you praise Him, say, Lord, give me the mind of Christ. What a novel idea. To ask Him to give us His mind. And let us think what he wants us to think. He said you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what? Perfect will of God. You can get in the perfect will of God by changing the way you are thinking and by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. We would not be in this building worshiping God in this building if I had kept the same kind of thinking that everybody else around me had. And I tell the group on our, in our faith class last semester or the first semester in, uh, in our cross training and this semester in faith in the school of Roar, if money were not an object and you knew you could not fail, what would you do? I tell everybody that. If money is not an object and you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Because here's the bottom line. Money's not the object. Money's not the problem. We don't have a money problem. So, Pastor, you ain't seen my bank account. You don't have a money problem. I'm going to prove it to you. You have a thinking problem. Ooh. Ooh. Don't say that, Pastor. No, you, you don't have a money problem. You have a thinking problem. If money were not an object and you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? What would you try to accomplish? What, would, what are your dreams? What are your visions? What are your plans? What are your goals? And everybody has them. Some of you have buried them and you have suppressed them and you have covered them up and you pretend like they're really not there, but they are. We wouldn't have this building if I hadn't changed my thinking. Amen. 20 years ago, 21 years ago next Sunday, we launched this church, this ministry. 21 years ago this coming February, we got this building. 18 weeks after we started the ministry, we got this building. We didn't have the people. We didn't have any money. But I believe the word of God. I thought different. And so the way I did is I went all over this city and this region looking for a building as if money were not an object. And I said, I want a, bu a building with high visibility, high profile. 
in the middle of the city, middle of the county. And this, this building is actually 1,000 feet. If you go out here on 153 and you walk 1,000 steps up the highway, 1,000 feet before you get to Shallowford Road is the exact center of Hamilton County. The exact center. Put a map down, put your finger in the middle, and it's here. We're in the middle. 125, 30,000 cars a day pass us on 153. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the people. But I said, God, I believe that you'll give me this building. And I walked around this building before I ever came in it with oil and anointed it. I would sit in the parking lot and I would tell folks, we're going to get this building. Go sit in the parking lot. Take your lunch. Eat your lunch there and thank God for the building. Every time I would drive by 153, I would ride by and I would stretch out my hand and I would say, Lord, I thank you for the jumbo sports building. One day it's going to be the Metro Tab building in Jesus' name. And I told folks, when you come over here and eat lunch in the parking lot, if there's trash in the parking lot, pick it up. Start treating it like that's our property. Clean it up. Pick it up. And then when I got in the building, the man that owned the building let me in. He sent, he sent the maintenance guy. They, they took care of this building. It had been empty for six years. The heat, they kept the heat on, the air on, depending on the season. It was in perfect condition. And he said, go over there, take all the time you want. The man came to let me in. He said, I've got to run an errand for a few hours. He said, if you get through before I get back, just, just leave. So I spent about three hours in here. I brought my bottle of oil, my olive oil. None of this was here. These walls weren't here. That wall wasn't here. None of this was here. That wall wasn't here. It was just one big empty warehouse. The offices were the only thing. And Joey, I got, my, I got my olive oil, and I started walking around the building, anointing the walls. And we had red walls, yellow walls, green walls, blue walls, and it was pegboard where they hung their sports stuff. And when we first started the church, I'd tell everybody, well, if you like, you know, some churches, they fuss over the color of the walls, the color of the carpet. I said, if you like red walls, we got red walls for you. If you like green walls, we have green walls. If you like yellow, we've got yellow walls for you. And if you like blue, we've got blue. We're a church where anybody can fit. And we had these changing rooms. There were changing booths when it was a clothing and sporting goods store. So we kept a few of those for a while. Actually, we kept one of them until... A year and a half ago when we remodeled the lobby. Tanya broke her heart when we, when we took that one down. It was back in the corner, big enough to be a storage area, and we kept it all those years. So, so I, I would... One memory that reminds us... Maybe we'll build it back just for you. So I would tell folks on Sunday morning, for you Catholic folks, we have confessional booths right back in the corner. But we wouldn't have that building if I had used traditional thinking. If I had said, well, I don't have the money. I can't afford it. You know, maybe I can get the money. And I won't take time to go into the whole story today, but... You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to change the way you think. 
Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking? What are you saying? What are the people around you saying? What are they thinking? What are you saying to them? What are you declaring? What are you absorbing that you shouldn't be absorbing? If you're going to be all God wants you to be and you're going to overcome the pain and the past and the perversion and the generational curses and the addictions, if you're going to overcome all that and the diagnosis, if you're going to do that, you must change the way you think. You have to think like God wants you to think. You've got to believe the Word of God. You've got to stand on the Word of God. You've got to trust God that He is who He says He is and He'll do what He says He will do. And He will. I promise you, He will. We are living testimony. We're in this building today because I believe God for a building when I had no money and only a handful of people. And here we are. Stop conforming. Number two, you need to implement the Joseph principles. Implement the Joseph principles. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Wow. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, who had been put in the pit, sold by his brothers, put in the pit, sold into slavery, ended up at Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tried to have an affair with him, and when he wouldn't, she lied on him, and he was put in prison. So his life was troubled. And God gave him the ability to, to translate dreams, to understand dreams. And so finally he comes out and Pharaoh says, there's no one like you. Nobody is discerning and as wise as you are. And because of that, you shall be over all of my house and all of my people shall be ruled according to your word, Joseph. I'm talking about implementing the Joseph principle. What are the Joseph principles? Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So the land began to flourish. Everything began to flourish. And understand that one of the Joseph principles is he was discerning and wise. When things are going good, some people just, all they do is they're just happy. Just be happy. Everything is good. Aren't we having fun? Isn't this a great time? Isn't this a great season? During the flourishing times, during the great times, Joseph began to stockpile. He began to put food back and supplies back for a rainy day, for turbulent times, for tough times, for challenging times. I need to tell you folks, challenging times are coming. Turbulent times are coming. We are, in, we are moving into the end times, thresh, the, crossing the threshold into the end times, the dispensation of the last days. Turbulent times are coming. I don't know how bad they will get. I'm still a pre-trib theologian. I believe that we're going to be raptured out in the beginning part of the tribulation, Revelation 3.10. Study that. We'll talk about it later. I don't, you know, some folks are mid-trib, some are post. They believe we'll go through all the tribulation. I don't. But what if we do? What if we do? 
We need to be wise. We need to be discerning. We need to be ready. Here's the bottom line. Joseph was prepared. Joseph prepared for the future. Joseph prepared for tough times. Joseph prepared for turbulent times. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. He made preparation. He looked ahead. He discerned the times. Oh, we're in good times now. So why should we save anything? Why should we, why should we gather? He became a gatherer rather than a consumer. We live in a consumer culture. We want to consume, consume, consume. We want to buy now and pay later. That's our culture. You better save some coins. You better save some stuff. You better make some preparation. You better get ready for what's coming. Say, Pastor, what's coming? Read the Bible. Read Revelation. Read Daniel. Read Ezekiel. I could tell you, but it would scare some of you right now, so I don't want to scare you too bad. But what's coming is not pretty. And we're spoiled in this country. We live in America. We don't think there'll be war on our grounds. We think war is only in other countries, other nations. We think it only happens in third world countries. We think it only happens in second world countries. Let me tell you, honey. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's coming to bring world peace. That's why he's going to be accepted. And he's not coming to bring world peace unless there is world chaos. I'm not trying to be a bearer of the doom. I'm just trying to get you to wake up. We're remnant people. We've got to be ready. We've got to prepare for what's coming. We've got to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we implement the Joseph principle. We make preparation. We have to have wisdom. We have to have discernment. We have to get ready. Here's the, bo here's the bottom line. Get ready, get ready, get ready for what's coming because we don't know what's coming. Get ready. Implement the Joseph principles. And here's the good news. You have been given by God the power to create abundant life. It's in the Bible. God has given it to you. You have the power to create a good life, abundant life, wealth. Ain't nobody going to say nothing. Now, here's what some folks think. Oh, yes, we're blessed and highly favored. And when things are going good, then we can be blessed. But as I read Deuteronomy 8.18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. When I read that, it does not say, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth when things are good, in good seasons. Anybody can do well when there is a flourishing, abundant season. But what about like Joseph? What about when there was a famine? They had seven years of plenty, so he discerned, he had wisdom, and he gathered and he put back. He saved up 20% at least, 20% a year. He stockpiled, getting ready for turbulent times, 20% a year. 
and probably more as, as the seven years came to an end, got close to coming to an end. This did not say he gives you the power to get wealth only in good seasons. Here's what I want you to get. God gives you the power to create an abundant life when things are good, when things are bad. Oh, you didn't hear me. When things are good, when things are bad. Don't you think that the same principle that Joseph applied in his life, in his ministry, in his leadership role as ruler, don't you think he applied the same principle when the seven years of lean came along? He's still applying the same principle. The 20% may not have been as much as it was in the seven good years, but he's still stockpiling. He's still putting back. He's cutting back. He's tightening the belt because the times called for it. And what we say when things get tough is, oh, it's tough. These are tough times. We can't save anything right now because we're not getting as much. Not as much is coming. You better tighten your belt. You didn't hear me. I said, you better tighten your belt when it's tough times. You better tighten your belt when it's lean times. You better be wise and use discernment and not spend as much as you've been spending when the lean times come. Use the Joseph principle. You have the, about, the power to create an abundant life in your life. You say, pa Pastor, how, how can I do that? Oh, I just gave you Proverbs 23. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. What are you declaring? What are you speaking? What are you saying? What are the people around you speaking? What are they influencing over you? We have the power to create an abundant life. Your life follows your words. I've been saying this for so long, and it's so frustrating to me when I tell you your life follows your words, and you say stuff that curses you and damns you and defeats you. And puts you under. Why do you say those things? Why do you let those things come out of your mouth? Don't let those things come out of your mouth. Your life follows your words. Ephesians 5.1, he said, be imitators of Christ. Just like children. You know how children do. So we are to imitate him. We are to imitate God. We are to imitate God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Genesis 1. It, it's, it's repetition. I've said it before. But in the first three chapters of Genesis, and God said, and then God saw it. God said, and then God saw it. God said, let there be light. And there, then he saw it, and it was good, and he called the light day. Then God said, let the waters be formed, and the firmament, and the day. God saw it, and it was good. He called it good. He said it, and then he saw it. But here's our, here's our, our philosophy. Here's the culture's philosophy. I have to see it to believe it if I can see it I'll believe it show it to me show me how it works show me that it can be done no 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 that's that's backwards see he said the first shall be last and the last shall be first see we have to we have to die to live it's backwards so we have to say it to see it we have to see it in our spirit man to see it in the natural you have the power to create abundant life in your life for your family. Don't tell your kids, we can't afford it. Even if you don't have the resources in your hand at the moment, just say, absolutely. If this is something we need, we will figure out a way to make it happen. It may not be today, but let's pray and ask God to help us and give us wisdom. 
Let's make good choices and let's make good decisions. Let's see what God's timing is because God's timing is perfect. Oh, we can't afford it, babies. I'm sorry. We're broke. Quit saying that. Quit saying it. Because you, your life follows your words. And when you declare a thing, it's established. We're broke. We don't have any money. Keep saying that. Keep saying that. I'm sick. Keep saying that. Just keep saying it. I'm going to say, I'm wealthy. I'm blessed. I have an overflow. I'm healed. By His stripes, I am healed. I thank God for His healing power. I'm healed. I'm the blessed of God. I'm a child of God. I'm the favor of God. You have the power to create an abundant life, but you have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you speak. Obedience is the key to unlocking a life of abundant blessings. Obedience. Let me give you another one. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my daddy. You're not my mama. Well, could it be that they're trying to help you when they tell you what to do? If you get around godly people and righteous people in your community, show me the five people closest to you and I can tell you your life. Because the five people closest to you speak into your life. What are they saying? Because whatever they say to you, you accept that. And it begins to shape and mold your life. Obedience is the key to unlocking abundant blessing. You want abundant blessings in your life? 2 Kings 4, watch this. A certain woman, somebody say a certain woman. She cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, he's dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? How can I help you? And then Elisha said this, tell me, what do you have? What do you have? What's in your house? What's in your hand? They said, this is where you have to change the way you think. Because she said, nothing. She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house. And almost as an afterthought, she get, oh, except I do have one little jar of oil. But what is that is kind of the attitude she had. What is that with such great need? What is that with such a great burden? What is that when the creditors are coming to take my son into slavery, my two sons into slavery? What is that? What is a jar of oil? She said, I don't really have anything, nothing but just a jar of oil. But he asked the question, what do you have? I want you to pause. I want you to look at me right now. I want to tell you, whatever you need to create your miracle, your breakthrough in your life, it's already in your hand. Oh, don't get excited. It's already in your hand. 
because the Bible says he will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Did he lie? Did the Bible lie? He said he would supply your need. He's already met the need. He's already paid the price. What you need is already in your hand. It's already at your fingertips. It's already at your disposal. Whatever you need for your healing, whatever you need to heal the pain of the past, whatever you need to overcome the addiction, whatever you need to get past the perversion, whatever you need to get over the sickness, whatever you need to get past all of your stuff, it's already in your hand. It's already in your life. It's already at your disposal. It's already at your fingertips. It's available to you. Yet we go here and there and here and there and we ask this person and that person, pray for me, pray for me, do this, do that, give me, help me, do me. Come on, somebody, I need you to help me. And we already have at our disposal. But we haven't changed the way we think. We have not implemented the Joseph principle. We are not standing on the word of God. We are letting culture overcome us. We are letting our circumstances and our situation overcome us and overtake us. And we are influenced by what's around us rather than what's in us. What do you have in the house? He said. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. What if Elisha didn't have different thinking? What if he had said, huh, we're in trouble. I don't know what you're going to do. You don't have anything but just a jar of oil? I don't know that that's going to help us. What else do you have? She probably had something else, but he didn't, he didn't even need to go that far. She probably had four or five things in the house that could have been a key to her miracle. Right? Y'all quiet today. So here's what the prophet said, verse 3. Then he said, Elisha said, go borrow. Go borrow. Now some folks think, oh, we're not supposed to borrow. Oh, no man, nothing. So you've got to read all the Bible. You've got to read the context of the Bible. You've got to read everything. The prophet said, go borrow. Go borrow vessels from everywhere. And then watch this. Do not gather just a few. One translation says, gather all you can. So if you're going to borrow, it's better not to borrow. But if you're going to borrow, borrow all you can. I mean, if you, if you can borrow, if you, if you need a half a million dollars... Maybe you ought to borrow a million. Just, just borrow all you can. As much as you can borrow, borrow. And they laughed. So borrowing is scriptural, right? Yeah. Is borrowing scriptural? <clears throat> the prophet said, verse 3, go borrow. It's in the Bible. He's going to do a miracle through borrowing. He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door. If you read it all, it says, she came in, she and her sons, and shut the door. He said, when you've come in, go in, you and your sons, and then shut the door 
then pour. Why did she need to shut the door? She needed to shut the door to break rank, Pastor Rita said. She needed to shut the door on the naysayers. She had just gone to all the neighbors and said, could I borrow your pots? Could I borrow your vessels? Could I borrow your cups? Could I borrow your, pole, pole, uh, your bowls? Could I borrow your pots and pans? Can I borrow whatever you've got? I mean, can I borrow that big tub? Can I borrow all she could borrow? And they're looking at her thinking she has lost her mind. What is wrong with this poor widow woman? We need to pray for her. She's lost her mind. Bless her heart. Jesus help her. Come on, somebody. So they're all looking at her thinking, she's crazy. Yeah, the neighbors start talking. Yeah, she borrowed from me too. She came and got all my, got my favorite bowl. Said she'd bring it back, but she got my favorite bowl. She got my favorite pot. She got the one I cook with. Can't you just hear the neighbors talking about her? Because neighbors will talk about you, won't they? They'll even start lying on you. I'd say some of the neighbors said, yes, she borrowed this, and she didn't even borrow that from them. She, they just start lying. They start gossiping. That's why the prophet said, go in and shut the door. Shut the door, shut the windows, because the neighbors are out there going, what is she doing? What is she doing in there? She's got all these pots and all these pans and all these bowls and all these cups and all these empty vessels and all these big big pots and all this tub, all these tubs. She's got all of this. What is she doing? She had one jar. And she started pouring. And to her amazement, she filled up a big old tub with that little jar. And then the jar still had as much in it as when she started. She was amazed, so she went to the next one. And then when she's getting excited, she looks at it. This one's not getting empty, but that one's filling up. She goes over here. This one's not getting empty, but that one's filling up. And then she goes over here. This one's not getting empty, but that one's filling up. And she started pouring. And this one just, it's, the supply just kept being there. She had, she had, she don't miss it. She had an unlimited supply in her hand. And she poured, and she poured, and she poured, and she filled up every cup and every bowl and every basin and every tub. She filled up everything she had until she said to her sons, bring me more. Give me some more. I need some more bowls. I need some more tubs. I need some more pans. Get me more. Mama, there ain't no more. We borrowed all we could. All these are full I'm trying to change your thinking I'm trying to tell you that you have in your hand the ability to create an abundant life you have in your hand the, the ability to create a, a, a life that will overcome your past and your pain and your struggles and your doubt and everything that needed to be fixed you have an anointing in your hand to overcome all of that I don't know what your pain is I don't know what the abuse was I don't know what the perversion was I don't know what the generational curse was I don't know what the sickness and disease was the diagnosis I don't know what all of that was. I don't know what the, the, the alcohol problem was or the drug problem. I don't know about all that, but I know that God has put in your hand everything you need to change your thinking and to create an abundant life of blessing and increase and overcome. 
Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and live, watch this, live on, live on the rest, live on the rest. See, he knew that now, he knew this without asking. He knew that she had more than enough. Oh, you missed that. He didn't even have to ask her how much her debt was. He didn't even have to ask her how much oil did you get? How many pans and pots and bowls did you get? He didn't have to ask any of that. He said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live in abundance on the rest. He knew there was enough. He knew the principle. He knew the principle worked. He knew, don't miss this, he knew she had obeyed. See, I told you that obedience is the key to unlocking a life of abundant blessing. Yet, people will sit and hear a message like this, and they lock their wallet, and they lock their checkbook. They put a padlock around it. They just want my money. It takes money to operate, yes. Let me ask you a question, though. Do you think God really needs my money? Because it ain't mine to start with. It's His. Do you think God needs yours? No, you need His because what you have doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. We, we all want to think, it's mine. I worked hard. It's mine. No. We're stewards. We're only stewards. And some of us aren't very good. <laughs> Obedience is the key to unlocking a life of blessing. Watch this. I love, I love this scripture in Ecclesiastes 11. He says, cast your bread on the water, on the surface of the waters. Be diligent, active, make thoughtful decisions. Why? Because when you do this, when you cast your bread on the surface of the waters, what's he saying? Sow a seed. That's what he's saying. That's what this this scripture means. When When you cast your bread on the water, you are sowing a seed and believing that God is going to take that seed and do something with it. And the scripture says, when you cast your bread on the surface of the waters, when you're diligently active, you make a thoughtful decision, you cast it. He says, for you will find it after many days. So here's what's what's happening. Your seed leaves your hand. And I've said it many times, but it never what? It never leaves your life because you sowed the seed. What happens when you sow a seed? Some went in good ground. Some went in thorny, stony ground, hard ground. You know the, you know the parable. But some goes in good ground. So you've got to keep sowing. Because sometimes we sow and we think it's good ground, but it may not be. But if we keep sowing, you're going to get a harvest. 30, 60, 90 fold, right? 
Oh, he goes from 30, 60, 90. He skips 90 right over to 100. Why did he do that? Because mathematically, it would be 30, 60, 90, 120, right? 150, right? But why does he go from 30, 60, and then instead of 90, he goes to 100? Why? He broke out. He broke rank. Why, why would God do that? Why would he say 30, 60, 100? Why? Because he is the God of too much. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God of abundance. He wants to show you he is the God of multiplication. So when you cast your bread on the water, he said, after many days, you shall find it. It will never, it may leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. God wants to bring increase into your life. 